Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Financial Coaches Podcast. We are excited to have two extra special guests with us today, the other two members of New Money Habits. We have Coach Mike Keneally and Coach Nino Villa. Welcome, guys. Hey, everybody. Hi there. We just thought since we have kind of alluded to the idea of the collaboration that we've done and the the uh, support group that we have in our Facebook and just all of the stuff that we've talked about before, that it would just be a really good idea for you guys to see who the people are behind the curtain of how did we come to bring a new money habits to the Financial Coaches Podcast. So, guys, I really appreciate you coming on today. And, of course, we have Cody here as well. He's going to help answer, ask some of the questions of these amazing coaches and just kind of let you guys peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. So, Mike and Nino, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and say a little bit about why you kind of became coaches and, and uh, you know, maybe your, your favorite part of it as well. So, yeah. Um, hey, everybody. Nino Villa here. Coach Nino Villa. Uh, let's see. I got started coaching uh, people with their finances back in, like, 2013. And one of the biggest reasons I did it is I felt like there's just a lack of financial literacy uh, that, you know, schools at the high school level, at the college level, don't really teach people how to manage their money. And unfortunately for a lot of us, our parents didn't either. So I like to just dig into the numbers and help people figure out how to manage that money well. Cool. How about you, Mike? So I've been coaching full time for going on four years now. And I realized after I started coaching that I had been coaching for a long time before that. I worked for a big company for uh, 23 plus years and uh, was always helping people uh, who worked for me or with me with their personal finances or figuring out 401ks or those kind of things. And when I got to a point where I no longer wanted to be tied to a, you know, 40 to 60 hour a week full-time job and decided to leave that, I knew that I needed to do something else to find, you know, to keep myself fulfilled and busy. And uh, that's when I learned about coaching. So I was in a bit of a unique position to be able to start with full-time availability and of course, I didn't start with full-time income, but I did grow the business pretty well in the first year and um, really find that it's some, it's probably the most rewarding work I've ever done, being able to help people change their trajectory in their lives and really get control of one of those big stressors that, that is their money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, Mike, you actually, when you started financial coaching, you started just full-time right off the rip. And like Correct. I said, like not not full time income. So, can you talk a little bit about how that looked and how that kind of felt navigating through that first year? So I had there were a lot of things in my mind that were um, probably personal limitations um, and some limiting beliefs. Um, I didn't think that clients would be willing to meet with me during normal business hours. So I was um, scheduling people after normal work hours and on weekends and finding myself working a lot during times when I really didn't want to be working. And uh, I was I actually met with my personal financial advisor one day and we were talking about the coaching and um, I shared that with him and he says, you know, I only meet with people during normal business hours. 
and they figure out how to make the time because it's important. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, I, I can work whatever I want, I'm, I, but I'm, I'm aligning that wrong with what I want to do. So started to, to shift existing and all new clients into something that was more normal, normal business hours, and really was able to take control of my time at that point, which really changed things for me because much like so many of the things that we do when we're coaching our filters, our marketing is a filter, our prices are filters, my availability became a filter. If somebody mm -hmm. wasn't able or interested enough to be able to work with me when I was available, then it, was, it wasn't a big deal to me. Yeah. I think that that's really powerful because I think, you know, especially with you being a newer coach at that time, you know, a yeah. lot of coaches, they want to take anyone they can get, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's actually more beneficial to the coach and the client for the coach to be kind of picky, you know? Oh, 100%. I look back at some of my first clients and I realize now that I didn't do them any favors or myself any favors by signing them. It was not a good fit, you know, and you're, you're going to make those mistakes um, th throughout your coaching career. You're going to work with people and at some point realize it probably wasn't the best fit. But when you're getting started, it's really important to understand what is your ideal client and have those boundaries so that you're not just working with anybody who wants coaching help. Because if it's not a good fit, then you're probably not the right coach for them and they're not getting the right help. Mm -hmm. And I like one of the things that you said, Mike, at the beginning about how you kind of answered the question for them, you know, like the whole idea of, is it time, is this time going to work for them? And you didn't even give them a chance to say yes or no. You just assumed the no for you, for them. And I think so many times as coaches, we do that, whether it's about their scheduling, about the pricing, about, you know, what their goals are going to be. And we, we take the the initiative, which is not a good initiative to say, yeah, they don't want that. That's not for them. And we just kind of decide for them. So I think that's really cool that you recognize that so early on and then we're mm -hmm. able to sh like have that light bulb moment and shift. Yep. So Nino, did you have a similar uh, kind of startup with your coaching career or, or did you have something different where you were kind of, you know, you're working at something else and then you had this on the side and it eventually grew into your full time? Yeah, so um, quite different in that I wasn't available full-time because I had a full-time job, and so it kind of became my side hustle, and I had a lot of other commitments. But like Mike, uh, my availability, I thought I had to kind of meet people on their availability. And so I probably coached almost exclusively uh, at night on the weekends. Not so much on the weekends. I kind of protected that time, but <laughs> I did – experience that same assumption, I think is the word we're looking for, right? Like, oh, they're only going to be available then. So that's when I'm available. So I had to balance a lot. And so it, uh, it grew a little bit more slowly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long did it take you to, to go full time? <laughs> Can I even consider myself full time yet? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, so um, I still manage multiple things. And so coaching uh, people on their finances is not exclusively what I do. Uh, it's just one of the many things that I do. Uh, but by I started in 2013. By 2017, this was one of my more uh, uh, primary sources of income. So I, it really kind of grew over a period of four years to where it was just kind of a side hustle. And maybe I was making 
a couple hundred bucks a month if I was lucky, lucky to really being able to uh, make a couple of thousand dollars every single month doing it uh, a couple of years later. So uh, I think, like I said, I think it took about four years to kind of grow it uh, a little bit slowly over time. The, like with a lot of things, there's kind of like a hockey stick moment where you're kind of just kind of going along and for the first couple of years, then all of a sudden you're, you're really helping a couple of people who tell everybody and <laughs> anybody who will listen about what it is that you've helped them accomplish. And all of a sudden you kind of see a demand for your, your services go up. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, about four years to go from just a side hustle to, uh, it's a pretty steady source of income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, and, and with that four years, I mean, you know, for a lot of people, four years is a lot of time to, to work on something. Right. Um, and I, I think that a lot of people, when they reach year two or even three, they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. It's, it's more work than I thought. You know, that kind of thing. Did you ever experience that? That's a really good question. And it's, and it just kind of makes me think about something like, as you said it, it's like, well, why, why did I keep at it for so long? Um, number one, it was always my passion project. It was the thing I was more passionate about than anything else. Now it wasn't enough that I could just stop focusing on anything else. I had to have other streams of income, but, um, I was working with probably anywhere between 12 and 20 clients pretty consistently throughout that, that time period. And the experience was so enriching it, like what I was able to do for them, but what they were able to, to do for me, just, they were almost became my accountability partners as I was kind of cleaning up my own financial situation. And it was like, it was just so much fun. And there was so much passion behind it that it didn't bother me that it was like, I couldn't go full time. I couldn't quit my other job completely. It was, Hey, I'm still going to make time for this because by golly, I love spending this time with people. And so I was able to just kind of keep with it because although I was only having a small impact, some people might, you know, (laughs) I, I felt like I was having a large impact and, and it just kept me very motivated. And so it didn't bother yeah. me. And you probably were having that big impact just because of the ripple effect, right? I mean, you mentioned that people really right. loved it, so they would share it with everyone they know. And so you probably had an impact, you know, that you don't even, you don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. point. Nino, you actually said something and I'm going to open this up to both you and Mike. Um, but you said something uh, along the lines of, you know, they helped me stay accountable as I was also cleaning up my own financial uh, situation. So the question to both you and Mike is, is do you think that being a financial coach means that you have to have everything figured out? Ooh, great question, Cody. <laughs> 100% <laughs> no. No, I did not have my entire financial situation all leaned up in in order before I started coaching other people. What I had to have was a a desire for that passion and know-how. And I had those two things. I was very passionate about financial literacy and I had know-how. And I was going to share that with whoever was willing to listen. And come, come to find out, lots of people were very eager to listen and surprisingly uh, 
although I couldn't just go full time, so I didn't have like a rush of clients. I was even surprised that I was coaching as many people as I was um, because that's how many people were like, yes, not only am I willing to listen, I'm willing to like pay you for your expertise, your guidance and, and whatnot. So no, you don't have to have your own situation all buttoned up before being a very effective coach. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And to expand on that just a little bit, um, you don't have to know everything either when you start coaching. Now, we were in a position, I was in a position where we were debt-free. We'd been debt-free for a very long time, raised our kids debt-free. But one of the things that I find talking to a lot of coaches is that there's this fear around the things that we don't know or we don't know what we don't know. And one of the things that I found very helpful is, you know, once I met Maria and then Nino, we're able to have this collaboration and figure out the things that we don't know. Um, and and that's true through the, through uh, communities or whatever else it is where somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, then your the best response is I don't know, but I know somebody who does, and I'll find out, right? Um, and that's to me been extremely powerful mm-hmm. in helping people. I think it shows that you're a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's the what's the purpose of a coach anyway? I mean, this is the Financial Coaches Podcast, so let's just unpack that just a little bit. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but what is the purpose of a coach? What is the role of a coach in a client's life? What do you guys think? Mike, I'll let you take that first. The, the first thing that came to my mind is a guide, right? Mm-hmm. We're not there to solve their problems. We're there to, to help and teach them things that they may not know and show them a way to get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. But we're not there to solve all their problems. Okay. That's a lesson I had to learn. Because <laughs> um, I, I was the coach who was there to solve all their problems. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, like, I know you don't know, and that's okay. It's not your fault you don't know. You know, school didn't teach you. Your parents didn't. So I, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to help you solve all your problems. And I had to learn the hard way that, you know, people have to kind of show up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't want it more than they want it. You can't do it for them. Um, but I still, I still kind of hold to, it's just my style of coaching. And I think the, the real answer is there are many correct answers to your question, Maria. But for me, I like to be that hands-on roll up the sleeves. We're going to figure this out together. I'm not going to give you all of the answers, but I'm going to lead you like Mike said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to guide you to kind of an aha moment. Hopefully you have an epiphany. You start to realize things, light bulbs go off, and then that becomes your motivation for wanting to implement a change or or do something differently. Um, But yeah, I I love kind of being really hands-on and rolling up up the sleeves and getting down and dirty into the numbers Mm -hmm. uh, to help people kind of realize like, oh, there are different ways I can be doing these things, smarter ways. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, and so one of the things I would add to that is just the idea that, like, I'm going to bring it right back to where Mike was talking about his scheduling, right, where his light bulb moment went off. It was because he was in it. So somebody who he was talking to who's a financial advisor didn't say, hey, Mike, you know, did you know dot, dot, dot. It was kind of like Mike had to go through the process first of 
realizing what it was that he really wanted by doing what he didn't really want. And then having a guide, if you will, kind of point that out to him. And then that's when that light bulb went out. And so for me, that's how I view a lot of coaching is the idea. I tell my clients all the time, look, I don't know the answers to your life. I mean, I've known you for 15 minutes. You've known you for your whole life. And so for me to pretend like I have all the answers for what's the next best thing for you would be a little bit silly for me to say. However, I do have the skills necessary to help draw that out of you because you are so focused on something that you're not able to see the forest through the trees. And so that's kind of how I look at coaching as well. So I think that if you have that idea you can be a really, really great coach without having all of your stuff buttoned up if you have the skills necessary to bring people through that process that we just talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is actually, I have a question for all three of you. Um, and the question would be, you guys are new money habits. So what's the story? I mean, you guys are all your own people, you guys didn't work together all the time, you know, so how did it all come together? How did it come together, guys? <laughs> In pieces, but eventually together. Um, I, I can't do the story as much justice as Maria can, but just how Maria and I <laughs> kind of um, cross paths is a fantastic story. Uh, that Maria, I'll give, I'll give you the floor. Okay. Though. All right. I, sure. I think I know what story you're talking about. Uh, so we actually have a mutual friend and said mutual friend would talk to each of us about money stuff. And uh, there was one time that I, I said something and she said, you know, you, you really should meet uh, a friend of mine. I, I think you're like the male version of him. And I'm like, well, that sounds a little odd, but okay. And she would just say, no, no. It's like, he does a lot of the same money stuff that you do, you know, and he helps people. He's got a passion the way you do. And uh, so I, I just kind of put that in the back of my mind. And then probably a year and a half went by. I would I would guess it was that long. And um, our, our city has an amazing program at the library, which is free, which allows you to go and kind of learn different business aspects. And so I thought, you know what, I'll go there. I'll network. I'll just kind of learn a little bit. And one day I showed up and here was this guy sitting at a table and he said his name and that, which it rang a bell to me, but then he said what he does. And he said what church he went to, which happened to be where my friend uh, knew him from. And when I went up and introduced him, myself to him, I said, hi, my name's Maria. I think you're the male version of me. <laughs> and he's like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and so when I explained to him what I meant by that, we realized that absolutely we had that friend in common. And so we started to do a little bit of collaboration. Like I remember that we went out to lunch one time just to kind of figure, pick each other's brains a little bit. Um, but we didn't really say, hey, let's work together. It wasn't for many, many months later. Um, I had a lot of life happen with me. We had an unexpected baby born. And so I kind of put my business on hold for, hold for a little while. But once she was about three months old, I was just itching to get back into the business. And so I thought, you know what? I haven't been to that whole library program for a while. I'm going to go and I'm just going to see who's there. Well, Lo and behold, Mr. Keneally was one of the individuals at the table, and uh, I thought, oh, well, this is a new development, somebody new in the exact same area who's doing something very similar. Uh, and so, you know, all of those 
all of those internal voices that we've learned about kind of start going off like, well, he's doing the same thing you're doing. That could be competition. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care about that. I want to do this with somebody. I know that we can collaborate. There's no reason. There's plenty of business around, even just this local area for all of us. And so I, not knowing him, said, hey, let's get together sometime. Let's see if there's any way we can collaborate. He's like, what do you think that looks like? I don't know, but let's just see what that could look like. And so we met up, I think it was the very next day, right, Mike? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we yep. made that happen. And then after talking to Mike and hearing what a lot of his strengths were, and he had he had tuned into one of my podcasts and had heard some of the strengths that I have, and he said, you know, I think we could do this. I said, I think I have somebody else in mind that would be a really great addition to this. And so even all those months later, I invited Nino for a meet and greet, and the three of us started talking, and here we are. Wow. The magical library. First of all, the, yes, thank, we're very thankful for the library, but at the end of the day, that was a networking meeting. And, and when you're growing your practice, when you're launching your practice, whatever it is, find networking meetings where you can be out and talk to other people because clients are created in conversation and you never know who you're going to meet and what that's going to lead to. Um, and the other side of it, for when Maria and I met, I mean, the timing was perfect, um, at least for me. <clears throat> I don't know about Maria because she had this brand new baby that she had with her in the meeting. And, you know, she had a lot going on in her life. But I was at this point in my practice where I was trying to figure out what help I needed. I thought I needed an admin. I thought I wanted somebody to do all the back office stuff that I don't like doing. In my career, I had an admin who had three admins who kept me organized and did all this stuff. And... I thought that's what I wanted, or I thought maybe I was going to sponsor somebody or, or hire somebody um, just to help with um, onboarding new clients, things like that. But when I met Maria and we sat and talked for a while, I thought what I really need is someone who brings something else to the table. I was wrong. That's not what I needed. But that was what was attractive. And then as the three of us connected and started to grow, we really did become each other's accountability partners. We didn't immediately partner. We didn't immediately create the business. We got to know each other. We got to know each other's strengths. Maria has said for a long time, we fit together like pieces of a puzzle. because we And we really do, because we all have a, a different approach to the same goal, right? And that's just been um, really, really valuable, at least to me. Um, and it's helped me grow as a coach. And, you know, I, I've said before that the, the, the three of us do more than it, each one of us individually could do. Yeah. Right? Because there's strength in numbers, there's, you know, the, the power of economy of scale and all those kind of things. But it's just really been, um, you know, a, a very positive relationship for us. Yeah. And it, it, what's what I love about your structure of, of your partnership is that you guys, you know, you have all of your own clients that you meet with individually, but then you also have clients that go between all of you or a couple of you. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that's like, I mean, if I was a client that got all three of you, I'd be like, yeah, this is sweet, <laughs> you know? And then on top of that, you also have like larger projects that you guys work on together. Like I know that you've, you've done the masterclass, which I've personally taken and, and, you know, I, I can't say enough about it, but you know, if you guys want to maybe unpack that a little bit and give a few features, I think that everyone listening would love to hear more about that. Yeah, uh, before I jump in onto the masterclass, I just kind of wanted to reiterate a couple of things that Mike and Maria said about just like the, the formation of the partnership, if sure. I may. And that's just that I, I kind of want to reiterate the, the idea that um, 
when when networking, I never went with the, oh, this is my competition. So Maria kind of touched on that, right? Like, it's not about this person is my competition. It was, you know, how could collaboration happen? And I think so many more positive things happen through collaboration. I think we're, we're kind of taught maybe at some level that, like, when you're a small business owner or whatever, that... Like, let's say you were starting up a restaurant, then like every other restaurant is your competition and you better beat them out. It was never that way. It was it was always what could be gained by collaboration. And I feel like we have gained exponentially what we would have if we saw each other's competition. Collaborating, coming together and working together has just been an amazing force. Um, and as Mike alluded to, we all bring a different element to the same goal. I, I, I will be the first to admit, I am overly pragmatic <laughs> and I can't sometimes get out of just, all right, this was your income. These are your expenses. Let's go. And Maria has helped me to realize like there, there's a whole behavioral side of like why people do the things that they do that cause them to be in the situations that they, they're in. And when you can address something like that, it just, it, it works in a whole different manner. I digress. The point being collaboration is something to be, um, I think something to, to, to be seeked. Um, and, and I think if more financial coaches thought that way, like, Hey, I'm actually going to work with others. Uh, I think that they too could see exponential growth in their skills and abilities, not just necessarily clients, mm -hmm. But like their skills and abilities and, and bringing more to the clients that they do serve. Well, and if I may just add a layer to that, what I hear you saying, you know, is the difference between scarcity and abundance mindset and the whether or not we're taught that everyone around us is is uh, competition. We if we have that mentality, it's because we're working in scarcity. And so one of the best things that's come out of the collaboration is that once you have that open, abundant mindset when it comes to collaboration, that actually spills over into other areas of your life. So you start to realize that, oh, you know, I, I can... Um, I can go and I can afford this thing over here because this is something that's really important to me. Or I, I know that there's enough clients over here, or I have enough value where I can charge more over here. Right? So it starts to spill over into all of these other areas and you didn't think that that's what your whole purpose was, but it just, it just happens that way. So the fact that we were able to say, yes, this is, I think collaboration over competition is very, very important. It's because of the underlying mindset that is, is represented presented, I think. And there's that behavioral thing that I was just <laughs> talking about moments ago, right? Like 100%, like it does, it affects way more than just, you know, that one thing that you might be focused on. But I wanted to turn back to, to Cody's question about the masterclass and, and kind of like, what is that? Or what can people expect? Some of what just happened over the last 30 seconds is exactly what the masterclass is aimed to do. It, it's aimed to help financial coaches build and grow their practice um, successfully. And so it includes things that are rooted in mindset, mindset about who you are as a coach and how you operate, how you market yourself, how you price yourself, how you network with other people. Cody, um, it's, it's such a shameless plug, but you just went through 
the the class on networking and, and kind of doing things a little outside of the box. How about you give a quick little example of just one of the things that not only did you learn, you implemented from that networking session? Sure. So um, I'm currently going through the class myself. Uh, you know, I've been I've been uh, you know talk, talking and working with the guys at New Money Habits for the last year, year and a half. And I was just like, all right, like, why not do it? So, you know, I checked it out and it's been probably one of the better things that I've done for my practice. And the, like Nino said, the last one that we had was about the, the networking. And um, I kind of came to them and I was like, I'm kind of frustrated with this because, you know, I send real estate agents and, you know, uh, like financial advisors and accountants and, you know, tax people, like, all of these leads and all of these clients when they need help, because that's not what I do. Uh, but I haven't really gotten anything in return yet. And, you know, while I'm happy to help them and provide value to my clients through that, it's kind of frustrating because, you know, I would like to get, you know, I'd like to get thrown a bone every now and then. Right. And, you know, we talked about it and uh, basically we kind of discovered that my approach to them was what I could do for their client, for their clients, which is, honorable, I think, and I think it's cool, but that's not human nature. You know, people are like, okay, well, what's in it for me? And that's just what mm -hmm. it comes down to. Right. And it, so we talked about that. And one of the things that I changed was I reached back out to those real estate agents in particular. That was the first group of people I reached out to. And I said, Hey, I have a value add idea. That's going to add value to not only your clients, but also you as well. So I worked up like a little flyer. And it basically was just, you know, it was a picture of me on it. And, you know, it said, congrats on your new home. And then it had like a little paragraph that said, um, you, you know, your real estate agent and myself have teamed up to provide you with a complimentary uh, coaching session. You know, as you move into your new home, here's what this helps with, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I hit those real estate agents up. Every single one got back to me and said that they loved the idea and that they would love to do it. So I got them flyers and, you know, it, it, now things are in motion and it works because, you know, it helps the clients, of course, you know, they're getting, they're getting that free session, which is going to provide value to them. And, you know, that can then turn into a lead for you as well. But it also helps the real estate agents because that just makes them look way better. You know, like they're providing this, this several hundred dollar value or, or, you know, whatever you charge for your sessions for free as just like a little added bonus at the end of signing, you know, and, uh, or at the end of closing. And, you know, to me, if I was a home buyer and my real estate agent gave me a free financial coaching session, I'd be pretty stoked. You know, I'd at least want to check it out, you know, and, and then, Hey, if I like it, then cool. I got one free and I can move forward if I chose to. So, you know, it was something that was a, it was a win. It wasn't just a win-win situation. It was a win-win-win situation, <laughs> which was awesome. Well, thank you for that shameless plug. <laughs> I, I thought it was a great illustration. It's a great example of what the masterclass kind of focuses on. Uh, Maria said it best when she said coaching is about drawing things out of the person being coached. And so... We did that with you, Cody. We kind of drew out of you, like, what is the issue? How could you reframe it and see it through a different lens or perspective? And what action could you take? And that's that's just one of the eight 
you know, courses or lessons that are in that course where we talk about things like how to attract and acquire new clients and how to build a network, um, how to treat your business like a business, right? Because it's really important that um, when you start to make income, you have a plan for like, how, how does it, you can't just take all that money home and spend it, right? Mm -hmm. There's got to kind of be a plan and how do you protect yourself and all that stuff. So um, yeah, the masterclass, uh, you can check that out at newmoneyhabits.com slash masterclass. <laughs> awesome. Sounds easy enough. Yep. So Mike and Nino, whoever wants to take this first, go for it. But I, I personally am very curious because I actually don't know this um, about you guys and you know, I've always been curious about this question. What are some of your biggest struggles as being a financial coach? And then after after that, what is one of your biggest accomplishments or biggest wins as a financial coach? That's a big question. It is. <laughs> I've we been wondering this for a guys. long time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's putting you on the spot because he knows you're going to answer. <laughs> I'll start with, with one of the biggest struggles I had or sometimes still have as a coach, um, especially initially, was identifying my ideal client and really understanding that, that once I understood that who I wanted to work with and what that looked like, that it wasn't limiting. It was actually allowing me to um, create content and, and identify people who I enjoy working with and who enjoy working with me. So I think when I started as a coach, I believed I could help anybody that wanted help. And while I still think I could help anybody that wants help, as I said before, some of my early clients, I did not do them any favors by agreeing to work with them. You know, so when I run into things like that now, fortunately I have a network of other coaches, even if it's beyond Maria or Nino, that I can refer clients to or prospects to where I think they might be a better fit. So for me, that was um, a big struggle for the first probably year or more, really understanding that I could and should get very, very, very specific. And I continue to get more and more specific about who I want to work with and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So how does one go about finding their ideal client? So I'm sitting here looking at Maria as if she can see me because I know that's an area of her expertise. <laughs> and I was thinking that was in the master class. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. One of the things that started to occur to me is that I really enjoy working with people who have high income and little to no debt and are really ready to take the next step in their lives. Not, not working with them as a financial advisor, but working with them on where do we go next? What do we do with the debt that we have, if any, and what do we do with the money that we have, the income that we have, and how do we grow that? And how do we enjoy that? And, you know, cause a lot of that is where I am in my life, right? I'm, uh, I'm essentially retired from the corporate world. I have uh, saved money all of my life and I'm a position where I can enjoy more of that. It's taken me with Maria's help even to understand that I can and should be doing that. And I, I would, I, I much prefer working with people like that. I still take the step back, whether they make 30,000 or a million bucks a year, we kind of start with a budget. So we have a plan for the money, but, but once we have that, I enjoy working with people who are ready to go to that next step and do those bigger things with their lives. 
And do you remember, Mike, I mean, you brought up that, that I helped you with that, and I, I appreciate you saying that, but well, I was curious, do you remember the process that I walked you through in order to have that happen? No, I just remember you kept telling me I was being cheap. <laughs> no, okay, I'm so kidding. so for all you <laughs> listeners out there, <laughs> I, I, I hope he's kidding. <laughs> I am, I am. No, before, even before we partnered, Marie and I got to have a lot of conversations about a lot of different things, and it was really just that. I, it, we've all, the three of us have all coached each other over the course of our, our uh, relationship before and since the partnership. Um, and I think it was just a lot of different things where, um, I might not have even realized that Maria was coaching me because it is just that natural to her. But when we talk about different things I, I wanted to do or was reluctant to do because of price or things like that, where she's really helped me rethink my relationship with my money. Yeah. And I think one of the, the main things is to find out like what lights you up. You know, like if, if we, we talked about how I mean, Cody, I think, brought up that each of us has our own client roster and then uh, New Money Habits has one as well. And part of the reason for that is because each of us serves a different clientele and New Money Habits serves a different clientele. So what we do, it's not just like, a you know, you get three for one type of deal. It's like, is this client going to be a really good fit in business A, business B, business C, so on and so forth. And so it's really more about putting them with the person who is really good for them. How do we figure that out? We figure out like when we're sitting across the client, across the, whether it's a computer or the table or just on the phone with a client, start making note, you guys, those of you who are listening, start making note of when you're just like, I could go for the rest of the day without eating anything, without sleep, and I would still be lit up versus the ones where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to so-and-so today. And it's okay to admit that you have those moments of, oh my gosh, I have to talk to so-and-so today. Um, you know, you don't have to let them go right away. You don't have to fire them as a client. You can kind of work through that, but do at least note that in the back of your mind so that you're not taking on more and more of those so-and-sos in, in the future. You'll start to kind of narrow it down and, and hone in on who that is. And that's a really good point. I mean, I find even when working with prospects that, I know it's a good fit for me if at the end of the call, first of all, it went long. And secondly, I have more energy after that call mm -hmm. that consultation than I did when I started. Yes. Because I really enjoyed working with that person or talking to that person, getting to know them. Yes. And it's not that whole idea that everything has to be wonderful all the time, but Mike brought up energy. And I think that that's really important. If you realize that you, like he said, have more energy by the time it's done than you did when it started, that's a really good sign. And it doesn't mean that you can't be, like, oh my gosh, that actually, that took a lot out of me. I know when I coach people, I mean, I, I get into some pretty intense stuff. Uh, and there are times when I'm so intense on listening to somebody that it actually takes a lot of energy to do that. So by the end of the day, like I might be like, oh my gosh, I could actually go to sleep at nine o'clock at night. Like that's, that's how many people I talk to today. But that's not the type of energy I'm talking about. Like you're, I might go to sleep at 930, but I'm excited. I'm like that. I really felt like that was not just beneficial for them, but it was beneficial for me. And we could feed off of that energy. And I think Mike, that that's the kind of energy you're referencing. hundred percent. Yeah. Neil, you're up. Hope you had some time to think oh. about this one. <laughs> I, I did, and actually, uh, Mike kind of jogged a, a couple of thoughts for me, and that is, um, I like when it comes to my ideal client, one of the biggest challenges I had was firing clients who still wanted to work with me. Mm. It was, I want to help people, but 
in in the in my style of coaching, I can I can gauge discipline very very quickly, and so I have this this um, th- this uh, story about a particular client that I love to tell because she was probably by far the worst off when we first got together. She was behind on her bills. She's defaulting on credit lines. She barely makes maybe twenty five thousand dollars a year, but the the young woman had so much discipline that her $25,000 a year income, she felt like she got a huge raise once she started kind of organizing and, and getting caught up and whatnot. And, and she made huge strides and it was so exciting to see. Then I, on the other hand, I have couples who make $150,000 to $200,000 annually together so there's no income issue, but they lack any discipline. And so they're late on bills and they're about to like lose their house because their priorities are out of whack. And you're working with them and they're, they say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then you check in and they, they t- took no action. And not only did they not take the action to correct it, they made matters worse by doing other things that just compounded the, the, the problem. And it's like, oh, my goodness. But because they wanted to continue to work with me, I kept showing up for them. And that was just really frustrating. So one of my biggest challenges was fire clients (laughs) when you're done working with them. Like, it goes back to what I said earlier about you cannot want it more than they want it, and you can't do it for them. So I showed up. I did all the things I would do for any client and then some. They still weren't um it's just they weren't taking the process seriously or what whatever the case was it just wasn't working out and so it became those dreaded like i gotta talk to so and so today (laughs) yikes um so that was my biggest challenge my biggest accomplishment or win that's a little harder because i think it's it's a collection of a bunch of little wins or little wins for me huge wins for my clients when i look back and i think about the dozens and dozens approaching a hundred or more clients that I have helped hit the get out of debt milestone. And even before that, the, the first milestone is the, I don't stress out about money anymore. I might have 800,000 things going on and my world is crazy, but I don't stress about my money. When I get people to that milestone, like that's a huge, like, wow, I love that. Like they're not, they're not worried about it anymore. Even if they still have debt in all these things, they have control of their, their finances and they just, it's the one area that they're like, I don't have to stress about. That's awesome. But that second milestone of they actually got to pay the debt off and now they have that financial freedom of I can do what I want with my income. So whether I'm going to pay off the house early or I'm going to invest more for retirement or whatever the case may be, what just what a milestone and what a celebration to get to that that moment with them. And so, although they're not my accomplishments, my biggest accomplishment is helping my clients meet these milestones. I love that. And I think that, that I think that's a really good testimony as to what kind of coach you are too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, very good, very good. So kind of, kind of building off of uh, a conversation we had earlier, um, now that you guys have been in the game for, you know, a handful of years, 
what do you guys think would be one of your favorite or most effective ways of generating new leads and signing new clients? I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Cause so I love the idea of providing value before asking for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so whether it's, putting out YouTube videos, showing people how to think about managing their money differently, or it's doing, you know, podcasts, um, just putting out content of any sort that just like helps people. Um, I, I loved kind of putting that out there and then letting that lead to a moment of reciprocity, right? Where they, they're like, Hey, I've gotten so much value out of this guy that, um, you know, I want to take it to the next level. And I, you know, I, in some of my marketing, I promise better results faster, right? Because that's the, for me, that's the idea of hiring anybody to help you do anything, mm-hmm. right? I, I liken it to physical therapy or, um, sorry, not physical therapy, but um, like physical training. We all know that if we have a specific diet and exercise regimen, we're, we're probably going to get the health results that we want. So why does anybody ever hire like a nutritionist or a, um, a, a trainer? And it's because they want to get those results faster. So I love to just kind of put content out there on YouTube, through social media, wherever I can kind of get eyeballs and ears, and then uh, let that lead to a natural progression of, I want to work with this guy. Yeah, you're getting them to know, like, and trust you before paying you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly right. Gary Gary Vaynerchuk uh, is a huge proponent of, the, of that as well. I th- mm-hmm. He has a book. I I think it's called uh, Jab. Is jab, it jab, 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 Punch? Right? Right hook. Jab, Jab, Jab. Right hook. Right hook. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically exactly with what you just said. You know, providing value, getting that trust is so, so essential, especially with our industry. You know, I think that I would argue to say that the financial industry is probably the most like cynic industry out there. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. What, to that end, I mean, personal finances are wildly personal. Mm -hmm. Who wants to open up about that? Who wants to start to talk to a perfect stranger about that? So one of the first things I did is I put my monthly budget out on the internet for people to consume Mm. for real, like my real numbers. And so to, to have that type of vulnerability and kind of, kind of show like, this doesn't have to be as taboo as we've all made it out to be, um, you know, just to build up, you know, some of that trust and break down some of those barriers. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of the reason it's so personal is because money is just a reflection of our souls, right? So, so the way that we handle mm. it, the way we relate to it, it oftentimes is, is going to be parallel to how we relate to our spouse or how we relate to our children. And so if people, the more that people start to see that and realize that, the less they're wanting to just put it all out on the table if there's something that they're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think Nina did a really nice job. I mean, I I take a, I guess I do. I take a slightly different approach, um, especially before COVID. I was able to still do some of it during COVID. I love to talk to people. Anytime I'm out, anywhere I am, I'm going to talk to people. And while, while it's true that personal finance is personal, um, I somehow have a way to get people to open up probably because I'm a stranger, right? And they don't know me. So they're not giving me any specific personal details, 
drive my wife nuts. We'll be out to dinner. I'll start talking to the people next to me. And the conversation inevitably leads to me asking, how old are you? How many kids do you have? What do you make? Right? How much do you make? <laughs> These kind of questions. <laughs> and they answer them. I'm, I'm, I used to be shocked. I'm not shocked anymore. People are just going to answer them because it's it's kind of safe because they don't really know me. Um, mm-hmm. But in, that leads me to be able to have a different conversation and talk about what I do. People love to talk about themselves, right? So even if they're talking about something that is a little bit, you know, uncomfortable money, um, and they're probably not telling me the whole truth anyway, which is fine, but it allows us to develop a little bit of a relationship and then I can connect and I can start to cultivate that relationship and then, um, decide if I even want to talk to them about coming into a coaching relationship. Yeah, I think that's some really great points. And Mike, I know that one of your favorite things to do, rather than just putting content out there for them to consume, is for you to draw them into a phone conversation right away, right? So yep. so it's actually a little bit of the opposite. And I, I just think that's really neat. Yeah, I do. I, I, I just love talking to people and getting to know new people. And um, it's it, it works. I mean, and I... I I don't go into any call with somebody new thinking I'm going to create a client, right? Um, I know that if they have something they need help with, I'm going to help them. And I'm going to do that for free in the first call or maybe the first few times that we talk. And then we'll talk about what, um, you know, a coaching relationship would look like. And so if I may, I want to point something out to our listeners. So I shared my approach. Mike just shared his. There are two very different approaches, but they're both unique and authentic to who we are. So we're not trying to be somebody else. I I was somebody who I've done corporate training for a living. So being in front of an audience didn't bother me. So putting videos out on the internet didn't bother me. Um, Being to ask somebody to have a conversation out of the blue is not something I'm comfortable with. As much as I have uh, extrovert tendencies, at the beginning, I'm very much an introvert. I'm gonna kind of let everybody else figure it out and then I'll join the conversation or whatever. And so just asking people to have a conversation is not something that would come natural to me. And it's not something that I've tried because it's not who I am. So for our listeners, I'd say, Pick a strategy and an approach that is authentically you and run with it, whatever that is. And I'll just add an extra layer in there. I'm the only mom in this group, I think. Um, we're all parents, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am the only mom. And uh, I can tell you that it sometimes is very difficult uh, to squeeze in all of the things that need to be done with the circumstantial schedules that are going on. So to add on to what Nino said about making sure it's authentically you, also make sure that you are, um, I'm noticing that we, I think we lost Cody here. Uh, I'll finish this statement and we'll try to get him back. Uh, Also make sure that you are fitting it into the circumstances that you have. So I actually have both tendencies that were just described. I love putting content out there so people can kind of consume it, see whether or not they are a good fit. And I also would be fine just striking up conversations, but I can tell you this, I don't have enough time in my schedule to just randomly put conversations on my, on my calendar. And so I use the time that I'm already out and about to 
do the natural conversations. And then when it comes to the other stuff, I can hide in a closet and record a podcast or I can, you know, write a blog post or whatever with the kids running around because I don't have to be on with somebody else. And so that's just something else to keep in mind because I know that we have a lot of uh, people from a lot of different backgrounds who are listening to this today. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Well, actually, I, th- I think this is a really great last question to kind of leave everyone with. Um, and, you know, it's something that I'm actually curious to hear about, too. So, you know, what's what's like one if you if you could say one thing to the new coach, whether they're thinking about getting into coaching, whether they're just starting about, uh, you know, just starting their practice, what's one thing that you could say to them? Uh, and then as well, you know, what's one thing that you could say to a coach that maybe be, maybe is more established, but they're just looking to grow their business? I think I would have the same advice for either. And it really ties back to something we said earlier. Don't do it alone. Or you don't have to do it alone. I think too many coaches, whether they're thinking about becoming a coach, or even if they have an established practice that they're looking to grow, think that I have to do it all on my own. And I know a lot of coaches, again, whether um, they're established or they have a dream of becoming a coach, have shared with me that they didn't necessarily sign up to be uh, you know, a marketer or a web designer or this or that and all the other things that kind of go along with being able to market yourself. And so um, I would just remind them that they don't have to do it alone. And so whether that just means getting out into like a networking opportunity, like Mike, Maria and I did here locally, or um, you do it virtually, that's how we've come to know Cody and others is, you know, uh, throughout the entire country is to kind of get out there and have conversations with other people, pick people's brains on, you know, what they're doing uh, to make their, their practice successful. Um, for me, early on, finding one or two things to automate to make your life a little bit easier. And for me, it was scheduling. All of a sudden, I kind of had an influx of people who wanted to put time on the calendar and text messages or emails back and forth, like, are you available this day? Are you? That was problematic. So I was like, I'm going to at least make this one thing easier by automating it. And so I found a very inexpensive scheduler that I could then provide somebody with just a link. And then they selected the day and the time that worked best for them. So you don't have to do it alone and find one or two things early to automate to make your life a little bit simpler. Mm -hmm. Love that. I want to add to what you said with don't do it alone. So before I even became a coach, I put out into a Facebook group and I just said, Hey, like I'm, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Has anyone done this? And if so, could we talk? And the only person to reach out to me was Mr. Mike Keneally. (laughs) And Mike, Mike helped me, you know, I, I was just like, you know, what is this? And like, you know, how does it go and what can I expect? And Mike talked to me on the phone for probably an hour and it never once did I feel like he was rushing me off the phone or anything like that. And then he said, you know, he wrapped up the call and said, if you need anything at any time, just let me know. And from the very beginning, Mike was just like this, you know, essentially a mentor, essentially, you know, and 
um, you know, I, I give a lot, I give a lot of credit to not only Mike, but also the three of you just for providing that value to me. Um, and that's through not doing it alone, because I can tell you if I did it alone, I don't know where I would be. I wouldn't be where I'm at now. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I love that story. This is the first time I've heard it. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think there's a lot of coaches like Cody who, if they didn't have someone to help guide and mentor them, they wouldn't be coaches. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I know Cody well enough, though. He probably would have figured it out and he would have kept going. But um, one of the things that I've heard, and I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of coaches, I hear over and over again is I feel like I'm on an island, right? And it's the whole reason that we created a community so that people can come together and share ideas and pain points and successes so that they don't feel like they're on that island, right? And that it allows them to help and grow uh, or support and grow their business. And the one thing that I'll say to answer the question Cody asked a minute ago is, and, and to build on what Nuno said, is be your authentic self. Because there is no better marketing than being your authentic self. You will attract the people who want to work with you and who you want to work with when you're, when you are you. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree with that. And there might be things that, um, there might be people that you're not exactly like, and that's perfect. That's actually really good. Uh, you want to find people who compliment you. Yep. Not tell you how pretty you are. Not that compliment, <laughs> <laughs> but fill in the gaps that you have. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Mike and Nino, thank you so much for hopping on the show and for answering our many questions and even the hard ones. You know, we really appreciate it. And I, and I think that, you know, I got a lot of value out of this show today. And, you know, to the listeners, if you did too, we would absolutely love it if you would subscribe to the show, give us a rating, share it, uh, you know, do all of that. You know, that, that really helps us out and it will help more coaches as well. Um, and also, if, if you'd like to stay plugged into our own community, we do have a free Facebook group for coaches. Um, it's called New Money Habit Coaches, completely free. All of us are in it, along with several other coaches across the country. And we do exactly what we did on this call today. We just talk about things, we help each other, and we help each other grow. So um, hop in there. And of course, if you have any, any questions that you'd like to ask us, you can submit them via email at podcast at newmoneyhabits.com and that's pretty much it so it's a wrap and just tune in next week for next week's show yeah actually i would like to add one thing if i may uh, part of the reason that we would like you to submit questions you guys is we'd love to have mike and Nino back on the show uh, but we want it to be about you next time not about them so we wanted today to be a little bit about an introduction so you could learn a little not just about how new money habits was formed but also what are some of the things that each individual coach has gone through and now we just you guys you can if you knew the four of us like you knew we could just talk about just about anything for two hours and so we'll try to keep them short for you um but we would love for you to just throw out topics at us throw out questions because we'd love to have these guys back so we can have just some real raw conversations so yes the the um, address for that again was podcast at newmoneyhabits.com correct yes yes okay yep Uh, and that sounds great thank you so much for letting me add that in you guys as always thanks for listening tune in next week bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.